All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Thank you for joining us here on another beautiful day in the U.S. of A. and Canada. And actually, funny enough, Tim, we get our most views overseas in Finland. Did you know that? That is not true. Where is the country overseas, Tim? Tim? Australia? Our biggest overseas country? Yeah. Um. Actually, I think it is Australia. Yeah. Yeah. Hello, down south where the toilets flow backwards. I like Australia. I've been there. Have you been there? No. Beautiful Love country. To. Absolutely yeah. beautiful. And gorgeous. I'm talking. We we did a little tour. It was fantastic. But anyways, thanks for joining us, everybody. We appreciate you jumping on the dropping the gloves bandwagon right now. Tim, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. I've been looking forward to this episode. So I'm excited to that? get into it. It's just fun. Something different, you know? It's fun. Yeah, we're not doing the typical recap games, talk about hockey, talk about just current events issues. We're going to have a different episode where we talk about all the teams and their biggest regret. Everybody has regrets. Nobody's perfect as far as I know. I have many regrets. Yesterday, in fact, I have a regret. I picked up the kids from school. I had all six of them. Danielle had the baby. I went and checked out my friend's property that they are maybe potentially buying. Unbeknownst to me, the top of the property was a little sandy and muddy. I took my big van and got stuck. And I had all six girls. I had no jacket, no gloves, no shovel, no anything. So I'm out there on my hands and my knees, digging out my tire, trying to get unstuck. And if you know a Nissan NV, they sit pretty high. My back bumper was resting on the dirt. So I I was dug in a solid foot and a half on one side. And I'm just like, I can't go anywhere. What do you do? (laughs) Luckily, I have some good friends and I called one and he got me out of there, but just regretted that. Did you have any regrets, Tim? You probably are one of the few that don't. Oh, everyone. Everybody has regrets. You oversalted your steak last night. (laughs) <laughs> i do that sometimes but. <laughs> you do he's perfect he's human oh my goodness but anyways so we're, we we broke up the league we're not going to spend too much time what i'm interested in is after you hear this episode drop us a line let us know your biggest regrets for your team not in your life i don't want to get it i'm not a psychiatrist here i don't want to hear your deep dark secrets about 
I killed a man four years ago on a highway and I buried his body. We don't need to hear that. But if you think you're, you know, you're a Carolina Hurricanes fan and you think you got a, a good idea of what they should have done, maybe something they didn't do, drop us a line. I'd like to hear uh, your input. But let's get started, Tim. We broke up the league right down the middle, which is impossible these days because they have an odd number of teams, which is a regret the NHL has. Is there 32 now? There's 32 now. Yeah. Who cares about Seattle? Honestly. <laughs> They're so good. They're hey, so first good. of all, I, I, what do you think of Mark Stone? Back injury is that a that's and this is going completely off agenda. Is he could potentially be done for his life? They're doing tests right now. Right now, they said is week to week. The back is not something you mess with. Like he, especially as a player, you don't want to play through this, and then you can't walk for the next fifty years of your life. It, would this be a nuclear bomb for the Vegas Golden Knights if this guy is done? Because he is a huge part of this team. He has to be, right? Would this be the death knell to the Vegas Golden Knights? Before we jump I, into the regrets. Well, no. I don't think they're like go from contenders to being like, oh, now they can't compete for a cup anymore. I mean, obviously, he's a huge part of it. But they have a lot of good players. They have a goalie who's playing really well. They, have really they do have defense. a goalie, and they do have players. You don't think this is the – this would – I see, I disagree. I think if Mark Stone is out, there's no way they recover from it. They can't. It would be too much to overcome for these guys. So I just saw that come across the ticker yesterday and I was like, oh, no, not his back again, because, you know, you can rehab, you can have surgery on a knee and elbow, a shoulder, this and that you can you can figure it out a back, Tim. You're you're done. Like there's nothing you can do. And he's having a great season. Vegas is having a great season. Do you use that salary cap space and maybe go out and try to get a Ryan O'Reilly or a, a Tarasenko or another high-end forward and then kick the can down the road? I don't know. It, it's a tough break for the Knights who are having such a fun season, but yeah, poor Stone. I don't know. I don't know. I just I just thought it. I wanted to get your insight. So you don't you don't think this is a that big of a deal for them. It, it's it's a issue, but not it won't ruin their season. Correct. Yeah, not a death blow. It's definitely a big hit, but also it's happening. If it is going to happen, it's good that it's happening now before the trade deadline. Correct. Yeah, I I, I can see that, but you can't just find a Mark Stone everywhere. The guy, he's a fantastic player all around. He might be one of the most underrated players in the NHL. You know? He probably is. When you think of the Knights, you think of Jack Eichel. You, You think of... Peter Angelo, you think of those guys. Mark Stone has been their best player for years now, and no one thinks of him. Well, at least I don't. He was one of the players we uncovered the stats for a while back, a couple months ago. Surprising stat has never had a 30 goal season, Mark Stone. But he's a solid player. That is strange. Yeah. Isn't that weird? Isn't that weird? All right, moving on. Regrets. I did the Atlantic and Pacific. Tim did the Metro and the Central. We're going to kind of bing through these fairly quick. I wish we did a live show. So people could like comment when we were doing this. We can. How do you do that? Streaming. Yeah. There's a lot of streaming platforms. I'm not streaming. Is that Twitch? One of them. Instagram, Facebook. A lot of never, never heard of that last one, but um, I'm not doing that. Why can't we have like a talk show? We got to get syndicated. You got to take some more meetings. Okay, because it would be fun, you know, she's, oh, we're talking about the 
Carolina Hurricanes again, and someone will write in, say, hey, or call in. It'd be fun to have a call in. Well, who cares? All right, moving on. I'll start with the Boston Bruins. Your, I'm going to go top to bottom. I like that. It's easier on the bottom, harder on the top, because how do you regret anything when you're first place in the whole NHL? You've only lost two games in regulation. Everything is clicking. Nothing goes wrong. No one is hurt. Everybody's come back. You lost your coach. You found this diamond in the rough in Montgomery, and everything's doing well. I have two regrets. Obviously, the Mitchell Miller signing turd. Terrible decision for the Boston Bruins. Terrible PR. Terrible, just everything involved in that. You should have never signed the kid. The kid should just, if all the accusations against him are true, he should never step foot on a professional hockey rink ever again. In the NHL, the biggest regret I think right now for the Boston Bruins is his posture, not contract. They, They should have had this thing wrapped up, tied up neatly in a bow, if not last year, three, four years ago. You saw this guy's potential. He hasn't, you know, come out of nowhere and just surprised everybody. This guy's been a 40-goal scorer for years now. Get him wrapped up three, four years ago. Sign him to $8 million, $7 million when he's still young. And you don't have anything to worry about. Now you have this situation where you have a 26-year-old superstar who's got 33 goals already this year in 42 games. He's on pace for 60 goals, Tim. And you're playing this game of chicken with a superstar who you need to sign. And he's just said, you know what? I'll wait. I'll wait you guys out. And now they're in a situation where it's a lose-lose. You're either going to have to throw a boatload of money at him or just let him walk for free. So you had the opportunity Three years ago in 1920 or 2021, when he was coming out for 48 goal season, a 20 goal season in the shortened season, which would have equated to 40 goals. And he had 40 goals last year. You you blew it. You absolutely blew it. Don Sweeney should be ashamed of himself. Cam Neely, they had the opportunity to sign this guy. And now he's going to either get $12 million or he's going to walk for nothing. So that, in my eyes, is the Bruins biggest regret because it's it's this is your guy. This is your guy. This is your cornerstone of your franchise. And you're still, you're playing this chicken game with them. Like just give him the money, give him the money. I don't know why they didn't do it. And now they're paying for it. Maybe. Agreed. That's a good one. And, and so I guess before we continue, how far back are you going in some of these regrets? Is it all from this season, this year or, or what? Do whatever you want to. I don't care. Okay. Okay. I don't want to go back to like 1960. No, no, no. Uh, Terry O'Reilly. He should have fought that guy one time. No, you gotta, yeah, seven, eight years. Yeah. 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 Some of them like 2017 draft bad whatever. trades actually, or whatever. The Bruins one, those are two good ones, but the biggest one has to be the 2015 draft. Zaboral, Seneshin, Dubrovsky. Well, I'm not going there. I, I'm staying no. pretty current because okay. some of our listeners weren't even born in 2015. <laughs> Tim, Mike, let's. That's let's, probably true. Yeah. yeah we, we had a huge preschool presence. So I'm staying this year or last year. You can do whatever you want. I will. So, I'm going to. I know you will. I know you. I can't control you. All right. Who are you going to start off with here, Tim? Yeah, um, I'm going to start with the Metro. And there's a few here. And some of these do go back a little bit further because it's hard to like some teams have done pretty much everything right. It's like a guy goes down to injury or like one guy doesn't play well. Is that a regret? No. Um, so I had trouble thinking of some of them, but some of them are pretty obvious. And there's some, a lot of low hanging fruit, like the one I just mentioned, like, oh, they drafted this guy instead of that guy. Like, I don't want to spend too much time on those sorts of picks. There's a couple where I did that, where it's just so glaringly obvious. And this is the first one I'm going to do. The Rangers. 
I don't fault them for taking Lafreniere. He was the guy. He was supposed to be, I don't know if generational talent, but he was like premier elite. He was, you know, a well-known first overall pick for for many years leading up to his draft. So I can't fault them for him. And Capocacco, I don't... (laughs) that's my pick taking him second overall. Like at the time it, it was probably the right move, but you look at the next couple of picks, Kirby doc, most cider, Dylan cousins, Cole Caulfield, Trevor Zegers, Matt Boldy. This is one of the elite, the, the best groups in several years. And they really just fell flat. And if you think about any of those guys, any of them on the Rangers over Capocaco, I'm not saying they'd have a cup, but they would be making more runs than they're doing right now. So that's, that's a clear, pretty glaring one for me. That is glaring. I agree. The Rangers. What are you going to do? All right. I'm going to set my sights on the Toronto Maple Leafs, much like the Bruins. They've done pretty well. You look at their salary cap structure. It's pretty good. Their trades. They haven't had anything glaring. You could maybe pinpoint their goalie situation, their defense situation the last few years, not maximizing the potential of their elite forwards. But what you look at um, Dubas has done, he's gotten out. He's shopped. He's, He's brought in players. I can't fault him for that. What I do fault him for is their salary cap situation next year. When you look at their roster right now, they have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven unrestricted free agent forwards coming off the books next year. To me, that sounds okay because you're opening yourself up to maybe getting some better players revamping your team. But do you want to revamp your team if you're the Toronto Maple Leafs? This is a pretty darn good team. They're going to have to shell out some serious money to keep these guys. And most of them are fourth and third line guys. I get that. But those are the guys who you need to win in the playoffs. And then there's Michael Bunting, your first line left winger. So in my eyes, Dubas has a lot of work to do. You're basically either going to lose more than half of your team at the end of the season. Or you're going to have to overpay because they're going to hit July 1st and start fielding offers or you're going to let them walk for free. So he's kind of caught between a rock and a hard place. Do I trade them at the deadline and try to get something for these guys? Do I sign them after the season or do I let them walk for free? I don't think any situation is good. If you're Kyle Dubas, you're, you're, you're negotiating with a guy who has all the leverage. Toronto is a successful team. Every one of these guys is going to have offers. Engvall, Camp, Bunting, Simmons, maybe not him, but Aston Reese and Hunt. They're all relatively young. They're on a successful team. Toronto would love to have all of them back, I would imagine. And they're going to have to pay them more than they're worth on the open market to keep them. So I think that's a... At one point, I thought salary cap was a luxury. But when you look at a team like the Leafs, who are very, very good, and the same can be said for the Bruins. You're going to be up against it next year when you're trying to fill out your third and fourth line and you look around, you go, gosh, I would like to have Emgal and Engvall, Camp, Aston Reese, Hunt. Those guys would be nice to fill out my third and fourth line, but you can't because you waited so long to sign them and now they're gone and you lost them for nothing. So it'll be interesting to see what they do at the deadline with these guys because they have a lot of guys, Tim, who are UFAs coming into next year. And what do you do if you're a GM? Do you just go for the cup and then let all these guys walk? And then try to restock the shelves with guys making the same amount who aren't nearly as good as these six, seven, eight guys. So it'll be interesting to see what Dubas does comes uh, trade deadline. Yeah, that's a good one, too. And it's hard. Some of these teams are hard. Like, so uh, the Hurricanes, this is one of the ones I struggled with the most. It might have been the last one I did, honestly, because I'm going through the lineup. Like, they don't have any bad contracts. They have a lot of good players. They've done a lot of things right the last few years. And I couldn't really 
figure it out. Then I'm digging further and further back. And, you know, four or five years ago, they had Elias Lindholm. In my mind, I'm like, light bulb. Okay, great player, became a 40-goal scorer. He got Selkie votes. I'm sure they'd love to have him back on their team. So maybe in my head, I'm like, maybe letting him go is a regret. Then I look at it a little deeper. He was part of the trade to Calgary along with Noah Hannafin. They got Dougie Hamilton back. Dougie's the best defenseman of a team, arguably top five, top 10 in the league. He's very, very good. So, okay, not a regret, right? Lend home for Dougie. That's a trade they'd make again. Dig a little deeper. Who else do they get back in that trade? Just a little guy named Adam Fox. Ooh. And I'm like, whoa. So Fox basically told them he wasn't going to sign. And and they knew they had just the way the cap was set up at the time. They had to move them. They traded them for the Rangers for a second round pick in 2019, got pushed back to 2020 because of their performance. Obviously, the Rangers signed them. They have a Norris caliber defenseman. If a guy says he's not going to sign, there's only so much you can do. But if they knew he was going to be the type of player he is today, the perennial Norris candidate, you figure out a way to make that work, even with Dougie. So I think that is an easy guy to, to look at and be like, man, I wish we had him back. I regret letting him go. Yeah, that's a when you see a guy you traded turn into a Norris winner. That's a tough pill to swallow. All right, I'm going to Tampa Bay Lightning again, much like Boston and Toronto. It's hard to poke holes in this team. Very well run, well run franchise. I'm going to go a recent trade, the Brandon Hagel trade. Two first rounders for a guy. And it's not even a bad thing because I, I don't mind the trade. You're, you're picking in the bottom half of the draft, most likely last five picks. So I don't mind it. The guy makes $1.5 million for the next two years. It's a very reasonable salary cap. Then he's an RFA, so you still control him. But two first-rounders, it's it's a tough pill to swallow. He's almost a point-per-game guy this year. I I was struggling to find a, a, a regret that the Lightning have. They've made the Stanley Cup Finals the last three years. They've won two of them. They've made good signings. They've had to move on from a lot of people just because of salary cap implications. There's not much here for the Lightning. Tim and I talked before the show. Some some good teams, they just are well-ran. They just do everything really, really well. When you look at their contracts, Kucherov's right where he should be, point, right where he should be. Sorelli, maybe they overpaid for him. His new deal kicks in next year. He's making 6.25, but Anthony Sorelli's not a bad player. He put up 43 points last year. He's a heck of a penalty killer. Everybody sees what he can do in the playoffs. So, I don't know. I think the Hagel trade, two first-rounders. That's that's the one thing that stands out where it's like, yeah, you pay a lot for this guy, but he's really kind of proving it this year. So I don't know I, I was reaching here and I, I came up with the Hagel, but that's all I had. I'm sorry. Tampa Bay is a really good franchise. Yeah, yeah, it's a good one. I'm going to go with Washington Capitals next. And this is this is a tough one because you could say, you know what? They really should have started the rebuild several years ago. They're not going to win another cup. They sort of peaked in 2019 when they won and blah, 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 2018. And so. um but but they keep winning is the thing, and they they keep they're bouncing back. They're having a good season. Ovechkin's still doing his thing yet again. Going to score fifty plus again this year, and so yeah, allegedly, <laughs> yes, fifty plus and dozen empty netters. But but like he's it's a good team, and and they've stuck with it. And and if if it was my team, I'd want them to stick with it too. We said the same things about the Bruins, different situation, but. Like the core is getting older. When do you give up? And all of a sudden they have a year like this. So I, I, I don't fault the Capitals for that. And they don't really have any bad contracts. They have guys who are making a lot of money, but they've all been worth it. And potentially Backstrom making nine mil isn't worth it, but he's also been injured. If he, if he goes down, it comes off the books anyway. So if there's one regret, it's not a big one, uh, but this is, I would say a contract that's probably not going to age well for them is Darcy Kemper, who they just signed. He's having a solid year. 
I know, but he makes 5.25. And here's the thing. He's it's five more years after this one. And he's 32 years old and the Capitals aren't even going to be a good team and maybe beyond a year, maybe two. And they're going to have this 34 year old goalie making five plus million dollars who won't be worth it. It's not like a handcuff type of deal. It's they've, they've set themselves up pretty well, but I think that's a contract that, that won't age gracefully. I agree. I agree. That was a good one. All right. I'm going to go to the Florida Panthers. There's a lot to choose from here. Obviously, most recent trades. Yeah, let Huber, you let Huberto go. <laughs> Kachuk. You let Weger go. You know, there's there's some issues there. They're having a terrible season. I'm going to go with their head coach. Ooh. You, you let Andrew Burnett go. Young, unproven coach comes in. Coach Q gets fired, suspended. I don't really know what happened, but he gets let go because of the whole Chicago Blackhawks shenanigans. Bruno comes in. Fantastic. Best power play in the league. Highest scoring team in the league. President's trophy. Didn't produce in the playoffs. We all know, but still and a great season for the Florida Panthers up and down. You can't argue that they don't resign him. They bring in Paul Maurice. Good coach, you know, coach forever. With the Winnipeg Jets coach, I think he was with the Hartford Whalers to start his career. Hasn't really won anything. Never won a Stanley Cup that I know of. But a good coach he's been around, you know, Leafs, Hurricanes, Jets. Good coach. Panthers are terrible now. Bruno goes to the New Jersey Devils. Devils are doing great. And I'm not saying that's all due to Andrew Burnett. But maybe it is. Maybe maybe he knows something. He does something. He can work with the players, much like Martin St. Louis does in Montreal. But Bruno is a good guy. He knows hockey. I'm just saying, maybe you should have kept Bruno. You never gave him a chance. This guy came in, just kind of held the fort with the Panthers last year and never did anything noticeably bad coaching-wise. Maybe last year he could have made a little more adjustments in the playoffs, but he played the players he had, and he did great. And they just let him go. I think that was a huge mistake for the Panthers. Now they're sitting on the outside looking in the playoff pitcher. Maybe they get in. Maybe they don't. I think they're sitting a couple spots out of the wild card chasing the Islanders in Pittsburgh. And I don't know. They're not the same team that they were last year. And I think that is largely due, yes, to losing Huberto. But it all starts from the top, Tim. And Bruno was a pretty good coach. And they didn't reward him for it. So great job, Florida. That's a good one. That's a good one. I'm going to go the Islanders next. And... Again, a, a similar team that's that done a lot of things right. They haven't really progressed the way they thought we would over the last couple of seasons, but I don't. I can't really tie that to a regret. So I'm going to go back to the Tavares situation and not letting him go. I think that probably was the right move. They've been a better team ever since. They, I think, they made the East, the West Eastern Conference Final the year after he left. And Barzal, it's got to be Barzal's team, that younger generation. So I think that was probably the right move in the right direction for that franchise to take, but not trading him. You took the risk of of of, of him signing and, and try to get him and you let him walk for nothing. A franchise player, first overall pick, perennial 40 goal scorer if he's healthy, and you got absolutely nothing for him in return. And that's something that I'm sure they'd love to have back because you would have gotten a massive package, whether it was Toronto or somebody else. You would have gotten a lot for that guy. And then just on, a little bit on top of that, Devin Tays trading him for two second round picks when he's gone on to do what he, what he's done in Colorado is just too bad. One of the, probably the more lopsided trades over the last several years. So there's a couple there, but that's what I would say for the Islanders. Okay. They got a lot of regrets, I think, but yeah. that was a good one. I like that one. All right, moving on. I'm going to stay in New York. I'm going to go to the Buffalo Sabres. Lots to choose from there. 
the last 10 years with these Sabres. I was a part of their, their franchise. You were? I'm going to, I'm going to, I did. It was one of my better two years. Um, I'm going to go with just how the organization is run. And I love Terry Pagula. I love Kim Pagula. They're great people. Their hearts are in the right place. They own the bills. Bills are, look at them now. They're going to win the Super Bowl. Their daughter, number two seed in the Australian Open right now for women's tennis. She's a fantastic tennis player. They, they're a sports family. Started the hockey program at Penn State. The guy loves loves sports. He was a little too ambitious with the Buffalo Sabres when he took over. He initially came in and said, we, we'll have a Stanley Cup in five years. And he just threw a, a Brinks truck worth of money at the Sabres. And I just think he set the franchise back a little bit because he just, he wasn't patience. Patience is a virtue. And the regret the Buffalo Sabres are, have, is I think they are just quick to react. They want things now, like a spoiled child. When you look at the GMs they've had in the last 10 years, this is 10 years, Tim. This is not like we're going back 20 years. Usually you give GMs a, a, a runway. They've had four four GMs in the last 10 years. 10 years. Darcy Regeer, Tim Murray, Jason Botterell, Kevin Adams. They've had seven coaches. In the last 10 years, Lindy Ruff, Ted Nolan, Ron Rolston, Dan Bilsma, Phil Housley, Kruger, and now their current coach, Granado. You can't have a winning organization when you're just recycling GMs and coaches who have different ideas of ways to run the team, different philosophies of how to play the game. The players don't respond well to change, especially young guys trying to get their feet wet especially high-end draft picks like Ristolainen, Zadorov, Grigorenko, Eichel, all of these guys, Reinhardt's, you need something to hold on to. And every single year, you have a new coach, a new GM, a new philosophy, new way to play the game. You're going to have losing hockey. And it's no surprise to me that finally we have some, like something solid to grab onto. Kevin Adams has been there since 2020, same with Granado. They're starting to win. I don't think that's a coincidence. I think that goes hand in hand. So their regret is not doing this sooner. You had good players. You had a lot of money to spend. You had, you had high draft picks. You just reacted too much and you just gave up. You sold everybody too quick. And you said, you can't do it. I'm out of here. Let's, let's move on to the next guy. He's got a better idea. You gotta have a little bit of patience in the NHL, especially when you're going from a really bad team and working your way up to just a competitive team. It doesn't happen overnight by going out and signing Skinner, O'Reilly, Evander Kane, bringing in all these high-end guys. You have to develop a culture, and the Bruins, or the the Sabers didn't do that. And you can see they're doing it now, and now they're reaping the fruits of that because you you can see the players love playing there. The guys are excited to get on the ice, and it's because they have the same head coach and GM for the last two years, which is it's like they should have done it right away. Just let. Let Ted Nolan or Ron Rolston or Dan Bilsma get a five-year stretch. So they didn't do that, but that, that's their regret, just to being too reactive. That's a good one. This next one will be quick for me, but speaking of being patient, the Devils, I, I had a hard time with this one as well because they've done a lot of things right, and they surprised a lot of people. They don't spend money frivolously. They've, they've had good draft picks. They've developed a lot of good players. This is less about the team and more about um, the uh, the fan base. Is oh, booing, booing Lindy Ruff damn. two games into the season, and then you going on win like seventeen games in a row, whatever it was. Like they they've done a lot of things well, and uh, they apologized. Say, nah, I'm sure they'd like to take it back. So I would say, yeah, that's that's the regret for the for the Devils. They have a rousing chance. So we're sorry, Lindy. So I, I agree. Just relax, you guys. Two games. All right, Montreal Canadiens. Tip. 
You know what we should do? Let's do two divisions and then we'll do some news and we'll we'll save the other two for the next show because we're going long here. I okay. think we're talking quite a bit. I don't want to have an hour and a half episode here. We can, we can't do it. So let's just wrap up these two divisions and we'll do some current events because there is some things I want to talk about. All right. Does that sound okay, okay to you, Tim? I'll allow it. Yeah. Tim loves it when I pull a little, you know, pull this out. He hates it. He doesn't like change. You keep me on my toes. It's important. You're sitting down. Montreal Canadiens. Lots to choose from with the, again, the trade for me, terrible decision. You could argue that that ruined their franchise and they haven't been successful, successful since. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to go for another trade. You want to have players in Montreal who speak French. I get it. I, I get the pressure there. The GM, the coach, everybody should speak French. If you're if you're an American, if you come in there and you're going to have a leadership role, they they don't force you to take French lessons. They strongly encourage it. Why you would trade a high end draft pick, a defenseman that you could build your team around for years on end, a puck moving, physical, in your face defenseman who was just a prototypical D man these days. You trade him just for a guy because he speaks French. The Mikhail Sergachev, Jonathan Duran trade. I still don't know why they did it. I, I, I don't. Duran's a great player. I get that. He was obviously a head case in Tampa Bay. They sent him down. They called him up. They got He got suspended. They were battling with him for years. I remember playing against him when they sent him down to Syracuse. And the guy wasn't even trying. He, he had a bad attitude the moment he entered pro hockey. Why you would want that guy on your team just because he speaks French blows my mind when you're trading away such a huge asset that everybody knew Sergeyev was a great defenseman at that time. You knew it. He was going to be a star. And you trade him straight up one for one. Lo and behold, the guy goes to Tampa Bay, just fits in perfectly with Hedmond, with McDonough, with Chernak, with all these other great defensemen, multiple Stanley Cups, just now, Tim, entering his prime. Just now. How old do you think Mikhail Sergachev is, Tim? <laughs> I know he's so much younger than people realize. I'm going to say 25. 24 years old. 24. <laughs> he's already been to three Stanley Cup finals. He's got two rings to his name, and he's entering his prime. And they got him locked up to a nice contract at $8.5 million, which is right where he should be. It's a great contract for him. I think it's a seven-year deal. It's perfect. And the Montreal Canadiens, when you look at their defense, when you look at how much they've struggled the last few years of the back end, it, it, it blows my mind. They got to march out there, Matheson and Savard and Edmondson. And like, it just elite defensemen are so much harder to find than elite forwards in the NHL. It, it really is just a, a, a gift to have that guy that you can march out there and say, okay, first power play, first penalty kill, 25 minutes, chink, there you go. And that's Mikhail Sergachev. And the Canadians gave him away. It's so incredibly dumb that they did that. So that is their biggest regret. And another regret, I want to just dovetail off of that, giving a runway for Mark Bergevin for so long. Yeah, that guy, yeah. that guy should have been fired five years before he got fired. I don't know what kind of information he has on the Molson family 
to get that job for that long. But he had so he was like nine lives, that guy. Bad trade after bad trade after bad trade year after year. He's stockpiling third and fourth liners. Embarrassing. When you had the best goalie in the world, you had Shea Weber, you had Jeff Petrie, and you just blew it because you kept bringing in third and fourth liners, myself included. Terrible GM. I don't know how he had that job for a decade, Tim. It was insane. So, yeah, that's my number two. But, yeah, Drouin and those two go together because Bergeron was the guy who pulled that trigger. Such a terrible trade. Terrible GM. Great guy to party with. Very friendly at a party. Very personable. Great head of hair on him. Terrible GM. So incredibly bad. That's my Montreal Canadiens. That's a good one. There's a lot There's a lot that went wrong for that franchise. My oh, next two... Yeah. My next two, or there's a theme between the two of them. They're both going Ooh, back to the 2017 expansion draft with the Vegas Golden Knights. And this is like one of those situations where it'll never happen again. The rule, the way the rules were set up, they didn't give the Kraken the same leeway they gave the Knights. And it was a George McPhee, right, who built that team the first time around. Um, masterful, the way that he would, not just the players he picked, but like, what do you give me to not pick this player over that player? That sort of thing. So you're getting lots of stuff. The Columbus Blue Jackets... Traded, they got a guy, well, let me go. They traded a first round pick, a second round pick, and a guy named David Clarkson, who's a solid role player, in order to get the Vegas to take the player that they wanted them to take. Who was that guy? William Carlson. And so they traded away a first round pick, second round pick, and an NHL player in order to get rid of a guy who the following year would score 43 goals. (laughs) And, you know, trading a, trading a, uh, getting a first for William Carlson could have been questionable anyway. Uh, and I know William Carlson hasn't kind of done the same thing anyway, but they traded all that to get rid of him. And obviously Vegas took that and ran, took it running. So I bet that's one that they would have liked to ha- have him to score those. And even not 43, but even be a 30 goal scorer on their team and not someone else's. So that's a tough one to swallow. And I'm just going to go with another one here just because it's it also related to the draft. The Penguins, um, the obvious low-hanging fruit is like, well, they shouldn't assign Malkin in the Tang this past summer. And you can argue about that. Malkin's having a solid year. It's probably the, the, the probably the case they might regret that, although those guys, I think, have earned uh, the opportunity to stay with Pittsburgh. But another one there, going back a little further, going back to 2017 again, they had just won the Cup, and they can choose between two goals. They have young Matt Murray and old, but not, older but not old, Marc-Andre Fleury. And they exposed Fleury, who obviously got taken by uh, by Vegas. And I think, honestly, they probably want that one back. Murray had had been the guy that won him the cup. And so I get it. He's younger. He just won you a cup. He's going to cost less. He's our guy moving forward. But don't forget how popular Fleury was. He's probably the most popular guy in the league. And definitely in that room, especially when they consider, like, he came up with Crosby and Malkin. They all came up together. And then since that time, since that cup, Murray has done close to nothing and got even worse when he left uh, Pittsburgh for Ottawa did horrible there. And in that same stretch, Fleury has won, has gone to the all-star game three times and won the Vezina. And so I bet the Pittsburgh could have gone on another good cup run if they kept Fleury over him. So I think that's probably a regret they had not to mention the, the, the teamwork and the, uh, you know, the locker room aspect of it. Yeah. Yeah. It's fun to look back and critique people. I'm going to do it right now. <laughs> the Detroit Red Wings. It, it, it's tough. You know, they're, they're, they're in the middle of a rebuild. Stevie Wise trying to work his magic, the same magic he did with the Tampa Bay Lightning. I think their regret was giving Ken Holland so much of a runway. This guy ruined this franchise. And he, he made Steve Eisman's job so incredibly tough. 
And I think their biggest regret was he just opened up his piggy bank and signed so many bad contracts that it's it's hard to wrap your head around how many bad contracts that this guy signed. But let's just there there's the Danny DeKaiser contract. Terrible. There's the Jonathan Erickson contract. Terrible. Jonathan Bernier. Terrible. And good players too. Darren Helm contract. But the one that really sticks out to me is the Justin Abdelkader contract. I was going to ask about him. Yeah. So he he's coming off a good season, 2015, 2016. Not bad. He's coming into his, he's going to be 29 years old. And Holland gives him, and mind you, he's not putting up big points. He put up 40 points in 71 games, which is good. But he, you know, he hits, he does a lot of things that, you know, don't show up on the stat sheet. Ken Holland decides to give this guy a seven-year deal for $30 million, 4.25 per a year in 2015, 2016. Ever since he signed that contract, he just didn't play terribly, but didn't play up to the contract's level. They are still paying him, Tim, right now in dead money buyouts. They will pay this guy $1 million a year till 2526. That's just a little nugget, a gift that Ken Holland gave to Steve Eisman. So I think their biggest regret is just letting Ken Holland run this team into the ground. And I know he was good. He did some things. Was he the GM when they won Stanley Cups back in the day? I don't even know if he was. But with Babcock and he was part of that group, I'm not sure when he came in. But gosh, he has just ruined this team for a long time. They're still trying to unravel all the bad contracts. They're finally out of the weeds this year. And we can move on from Ken Holland. But yeah, their biggest regret was, again, much like Mark Bergevin, much like the Buffalo Sabres, you got to have the right guy in place. And Ken Holland was not that guy that you let him stay too long. He was far over overstaying his welcome in Detroit. So that that's their biggest regret is not firing this guy five years earlier. Yeah, that's a good one. Now he's ruining another franchise. So he's, he's doing a great job at it. Yeah, they hate him over there. Um, the last one for me is the Philadelphia Flyers. And this is another one. We could spend a whole episode on all the regrets they have. And at first I was like, well, they should have started their rebuild, you know, seven, eight years ago. And that's probably true. At least three, four years ago, they've been stuck in mediocrity. But I want to get more specific with it. And like I said, you can analyze every team and picking this guy over that guy. But I'm going to call out the egregious ones when I see it. Going back to the 2017 NHL entry draft. First pick, Nico Hirscher, captain. Probably wouldn't be the first overall pick if we did it again, but that's not a regret. Second pick, Nolan Patrick didn't do anything in his career really at all. And I'm I'm not even going to go through all the players, but those are the next three picks. Oof. Number three, Dallas, Miro Heiskanen. Number four, Colorado, Kale McCarr. Number five, <sighs> Vancouver, Elias Pedersen. Those are the next three picks. That is hard to look at. If you're a Flyers fan, that could keep you up at night. <laughs> It is franchise-altering moves. The draft is so fickle. It's so fickle. All right, I'm going to just wrap it up here with the Ottawa Senators. Ownership, do you really dump on the guy when he's dead? You do. This, (laughs) I I feel bad doing it, but I won't. I won't. Malik was a bad owner. He just ruined the Senators for a long time. But I think the biggest regret they had was this offseason. They hyped up this team so much. They made great trades. They got rid of Matt Murray. They brought in Alex to Claude Giroux. They re-signed all their guys and they put in a 
immense amount of pressure on these players. Rightfully so. Maybe they expect to win. They should. They have a, a good team and they're just not living up to expectations. So I think maybe aside from ownerships, just terrible, terribly ran teams. I don't want to dump on him because he's passed away, but there's just so much pressure on this team by Pierre Dorian in the press last year saying we're, we're, we're competitors. Now we expect to win and they go out and miss the playoffs. And the same thing again this year, it's just, it's a dumb GM. It's a dumb owner. So that's, that's their biggest regret. And maybe <laughs> trading for Alex to We'll see how that turns out. If they get that guy under contract, they're going to have to pay a ton for him because they gave up a ton for him. So we'll see how that whole situation saga ends up. But yeah, that's it, Tim. I think we hold off. We can, we can't keep going. Okay. We'll, we'll save the next for the, for the next episode. Maybe not Friday, maybe next week. We got Greg Wisniewski coming in on Friday, which is fun. You want to do some Kurt Wyshynski? Who cares? You want to do some current events or do you want to just move on? Uh, well, what do you want to talk about? Is there something on your mind? Well, the asking price for a few trade targets. Maybe the, the Leafs have been linked to Ryan O'Reilly. There's some little stuff going on. Or we just save it all. We can talk about Rutherford's comments from the Vancouver Canucks. We can talk about the trade deadline, that tweet from that TSN guy, why there's going to be no trades and Gary Bettman's problem with the salary cap. Or let's just, just save it. We'll save it for Monday. What do you think? That's fine. That's fine. All right, everybody. Well, sorry to do a big teaser there, but we'll we'll get to all this and more on Friday and next week. Thank you for joining us. We'll talk to you then. Cheers. Thanks for listening to Dropping the Gloves with John Scott, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode. 